This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right. We try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that perhaps doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful day. I'll be here with you until 3 o'clock solo on the middle, and then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right at 3 o'clock. We have an epic week in mayoral stories between Eric Adams making up fake pictures that he carries around with him to Bill de Blasio in one of the most cringeworthy interviews you're ever going to hear about. Puts me to shame. So we have plenty to talk about, Curtis and I. Um, And you can always hear us on good old-fashioned trust your radio 770 on the AM dial, 50,000 watts of clear channel. It goes all the way up and down the eastern seaboard. But with technology, WABCRadio.com and also the app. And if perhaps you were to miss the program, heaven forfend, uh, you can always get this as a podcast uh, soon thereafter. At Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-A-N-E-R. We're going to be talking about social media today. Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. Facebook, Anthony D. Wiener. And, of course, we're taking your calls. Christian's on the board. Kevin is on phones. And a different Kevin, not as good, but a different Kevin is running the whole operation today. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It was kind of an exciting week for me. The last time we met, we all get together once a week. The last time we met, I said I was going to reach out to the boss about having some fill-in opportunities since this is it was July 4th week just passed us by. And it's a good opportunity for me, you know, kind of a double-A, triple-A guy here on the weekend doing one hour a week to fill in for some of the more experienced guys who are taking some time off, some well-earned time off. And I got some amazing opportunities this week. And if you had a chance to hear me and you want to call in and give me the report card, I'm eager to get it. I did the morning twice, once with Dominic Carter, who was here for three hours this morning, did a great job filling in for Bo Snurdly. He and I had not, you know, he and I recently connected plenty at the station, but he and I had not really reminisced about the idea that both he and I got started, Dominic Carter and I got started, in New York media circles at about the same time. I was a member of the city council running for mayor. He was a fixture at New York One doing the evening interview show that was the equivalent. He made it into the equivalent of like Inside City, uh, of uh, Meet the Press. It was called Inside City Hall. We, uh, we uh, So we shared some stories. And then he and I, um, since we didn't have a lot of guests, he and I just had a chance to kind of joust about some of the issues of the day. Some people liked it. Some people thought that kind of good back and forth was good. Some people said, ah, it's the morning, it's the holiday, go easy. Um, but it was a, I, I enjoyed it a great deal, got some good feedback, got some notes, got some tips. And then the following morning, uh, I did the same thing with um, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis and I did like an extended version of what we do on left versus right. And he's obviously a pro. And has always been very generous with advice and tips and and got a chance to do the morning show with him. 
And then in perhaps the biggest test on Wednesday morning, I got to fill in for Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. And that's four hours solo. Um, and it's just if you were just marking that on your calendar, I did Tuesday morning and then one o'clock the following morning. So I did a lot. And it was a great experience. I, I am never going to be replacing Morano, never going to be replacing Curtis, who does the other other side of midnight or whatever they call his his program, they do a great job, but um, it was a real challenge for me. And again, got some great feedback. I got a chance to talk to folks around the country because because Morano's show is is um, is broadcast around the country. And I just want to thank you know I want to thank Chad Lopez and I want to thank Johnny Margo Katsapias who kind of give me they gave me a chance. You know they there's this in radio. It's like every other profession. If you don't get a chance to get experience when they say, all right, do you have experience doing this? You got to say no. So they gave me a chance to get some experience. And that was great. It was a slow, a little slow vacation week. It was a good time to do it. And I really enjoyed it. It was excruciatingly difficult in terms of my body clock. Um, actually, Christian was here for the overnight as well, but he slept the entire time. I don't know how he got away with it. We had a brief problem that he was drooling on the board. I don't know how to, you know, so I had a, get off the microphone, go to the other side of the glass, swab off his chin, gently position his head back down on the board. I kid, of course. He was amazing. He kept he kept the show going and was there um, throughout the night. So that was a really exciting, and, and I hope I get opportunities to do those again. I mean, sometimes people call in and say, you know, I wish you would do more, and, and I was given that chance, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, talked about being given a, a chance. Jordan, a few more notes from Jordan. Jordan's away at camp. My 11-year-old, 11-half-year-old, he has 11-half now. Having a little trouble settling in. Got some notes from him and from his counselor. He had a little homesickness and having some belly issues. But recently he's been, you know, they give them a piece of chocolate every time they write a letter home. <laughs> They're not. And so we've been gotten a, a couple of letters. And a couple came in today that were delayed in the mail. So they actually were the first ones he wrote, which were a little bit sad. and But the more recent ones have been a little more upbeat. So we have a call coming up with him. We get two calls per summer, and then we have visiting day at the four-week mark. So obviously his mom is a little bit traumatized by it all. I just think it's – I mean, I'm a little upset by it myself, but I'm sure he's doing fine. We get some really great pictures that show he's having fun, at least when he's out doing fun things. So that's what Jordan is up to. And since we met last, our New York Mets, the official team of the middle, they haven't lost a game, six in a row. Lindor's finally waking up. He had back-to-back games that were historic in how good they were. The, not, not yesterday's game, but the Thursday game. He had, tri- he had triples. First time the Mets have ever done this, two triple. a Met has ever done this, two triples in the first three innings. So... They're still, I think, four or five games below 500, but who knows? Maybe they're starting to put together. Curtis and I are going to talk a little bit about that also. The Yankees continue to be three yards in a cloud of dust. They're, they're, in a, they're in a playoff position, but as Judge has been out, what are they, a 500 baseball team? So it's been a little tough for the Yankees. Um, so we're going to talk about some issues. That, that we're talking about an issue this week that um, might have eluded notice. It was the uh, a federal judge. Told Joe Biden he can't call social media companies anymore. Before we get to that, let's get to the numbers of the week. I have a long list of numbers of the week this week because I couldn't figure out which ones to drop. I always put a lot down on paper and then drop a few off. The first one is six. That is the number of times that New York and New Jersey have had cases that um, have gone all the way to the Supreme Court when we've sued each other for things. Um, and in this case, uh, in six cases, and New Jersey is on a six case winning streak. And so why do I bring this up? Because they're suing New York over this congestion pricing plan, which will soon be started. For those of you who don't recall the last time New York and New Jersey had a court case that went over the Supreme Court and New Jersey won, it was over whether Ellis Island is in New York or New Jersey. Um, And the Supreme Court ruled that 83% of it is New Jersey, Ellis Island. And I think Liberty Island was also included in that. You know, Liberty Island is a little bit of an easier case it faces New York, obviously. Its butt faces New Jersey. No offense intended to Noam Layton or any other New Jersey resident. Um, but New Jersey keeps winning these cases, and another one is going to the Supreme Court as they're suing New York over congestion pricing. Um, next is $8.1 million. That has That is how many dollars um, 
Adam Schiff raised in the second quarter of 2023. He now has 29.5 million cash on hand for his Senate race. Um, I talked about the idea that how censuring him, I think it was in my podcast, The Middle Unplugged. By the way, this week's episode is about the two oddballs, Chris Christie, who's running as a Demo- as a Republican, talking like a Democrat, and RFK Jr., who's running as a Democrat, who's running, sounding more like a Republican. Well, I, I said that when they censured Adam Schiff, they were doing him a big favor, and it turned out that I was right. $8.1 million came in. Um, so he was plenty pleased by um, by that gift. The next one is a little bit of a series of numbers, but it has an interesting point, if I do say so myself. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And Kevin will get you up on the board. 10,704 votes. That's how much Trump defeated Hillary by in 2016. A woman named Joan Ste- Jill Stein got 51,000 votes in Michigan. So more than the difference. In Wisconsin, the margin over Clinton was 22,177. Joan Stein got 31,006 votes. She did it on the Green Party line. Jill Stein, not very well known, was the margin of victory in 2016. People blame me. Jill Stein was the margin of victory in the election for Donald Trump. I mention it because Cornell West is going to be running as the Green Party candidate in 2024 a much better known person than Jill Stein, I would argue more articulate. He says that both parties now stand in the way of coming to terms with the plight of the poor and working people. That's a quote. He also made it clear that he hates both Biden for his, quote, hypocrisy and militarism, and he hates Trump for his lies and gangster activity. And I got to tell you, we might be focusing on the wrong thing. Cornell West, keep an eye on him. He starts to take away 2%, 3% from Biden in some of these states, and we might be right back to 2016 all over again. Next, another jobs number comes out. It's always great working the weekends because I get the jobs numbers first. Another 209,000 jobs in June. The unemployment rate dropped down to 3.6%. So the the markets are doing very well. A tough week, but the markets are doing very well the first half, and so is the, the job numbers. Maybe we are going to dodge this recession. Let's hope we do. And in a personal number, $72.79. That is the check I got this week for residuals for my appearance in Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. That's right. My dear listener, your host of the middle, Anthony Weiner, was in Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. I want to say in 2015, maybe? 2015 it was? I don't know why. I never got a residual check before. I think it was because I had not been a member of the Screen Actors Guild until now because now as an on-air personality, I think now I am, so they send me these checks. And here's a funny Sharknado story. I, by the way, I play it's it's Sharknado is a, is a is a rather camp, low budget thing about how sharks. Uh, it's the first one was a storm, a hurricane that I don't know where the shark came from. They blew out of the water onto land and ate everybody. It was such a big hit they made Sharknado two and three and I think four. So three, I the sharks come from out of space, and I am the NASA coordinator. I play the NASA. Something, the NASA head of NASA, who has to coordinate the attack to fight back against the sharks. It's a careful, you're going to miss me, kind of, or don't blink or you miss me. Anyway, so this week I, um, I'm around the studio and um, John Katsimatidis is doing preparation for his his show, the Cats Roundtable, that's on at 5 o'clock. They're actually on earlier this week. And they're going through the preparation that they go every week to figure, to every day to figure out what guests they're going to have and what subjects they're going to talk about. And this is Anthony Weiner. This is the middle. 800-848-WMBC, 800-848-9222. And I happen to be there and they, they were going through the issues and one of them is, um, the number of shark attacks that have been off the coast of New York and other places. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm not even participating in the meeting in any, it's like me normally. I just this is insight into how constructive I am as an employee here at ABC, and I'm just kind of under my breath when they're talking about. it. I said they really should interview a shark for this, and I'm thinking I'm funny. But someone, I think it was John, has you know, wait a minute, Weiner, Weiner used to represent the waterfront. Maybe he's got something to say about sharks. And I'm like, no, I think you should interview the sharks to get their side of the story. Anyway, I thought it was all a joke. I thought we were just kidding around, and then it's. It's 
4.45 or 5, the show's on. I'm at home at this point, and I get a call from Rita Cosby, who is the other half of 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 Cats and Cosby. That's what it's called, Cats and Cosby, for, forgive me. And she says, are you ready to go on and talk about sharks? I'm like, I, have, I don't know anybody. I, I thought you guys were just kidding. And I realized I could have gone on and talked about my experience with Sharknado. But we're going to do a little bit of that conversation with um, – with Curtis, Curtis must have been in movies over the years. I wonder if he ever gets any residual checks. So anyway, so that's the 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 personal number of the week, seventy two dollars and seventy nine cents. That's my residuals that I got a check for. And we're going to do one brief more number of the week, and it's going to lead us into the conversation we'll talk about when you come back from the break. And it is eleven. Eleven is the number of government agencies and dozens of individual officials, including President Biden, by the way, that were sued to prevent them from calling social media companies about anything. State attorney generals from Louisiana, Missouri, brought the suit in what they and many Republicans believe, and this was a a call Steve Moore got in the last hour, believe has been overreaching by um, Biden government officials and by social media companies to silence conservatives in social media. And what they say is this is all protected speech and that the force of government, the heavy hand of government, has been chilling it in favor of liberal things and, and, and depressing conservative voices. And just remember, like, we, we don't have any – you don't have any right to speech on Facebook or on Twitter or on YouTube or any of those social media companies. The First Amendment protects us from what the government can do. But the argument here is that – Government is conspiring with these companies to shut down speech or at least to control speech. And so this was the lawsuit. And they point to things like fact checks that went on about and posts that were limited and um, and warnings, you know, that this is disinformation, you know, where people lied about the election or said things about COVID that weren't true. And the problem is that there might be a lot of reasons why companies might why government might want to call up companies and tell them about things like threats or crimes or so this week the decision came down in a um in a temper a judge in Louisiana was so shocked about the allegations of how the government was pressuring social media companies that he issued this sweeping order that basically told government agencies that they can't even pick up the phone and call a social media company about anything. And in the ruling, this judge, his name is Terry Daughtry or Doty, I don't know how to say it, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, the U.S. um, District Court in Western District of Louisiana, said that parts of the government, including the Health and Human Services, the FBI, could not talk to social media companies, quote, for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing free speech. A temporary restraining order, which means he believes that the suit is going to be successful. And as we go to a break, the, the left lost their mind about this, but I think they're wrong. And when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about this and how this might be a perfect instance of what if the shoe were on the other foot. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's Anthony Weiner and you. It's the middle, and we'll see you on the other side. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. After midnight, in honor of uh, Frank Morano, who's kind enough uh, 
to encourage John and Margo and Chad to let me fill in for him on Wednesday. By the way, tune into his program on Monday at 1 a.m. He's going to have an interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. And on my podcast this week, the um, Middle Unplugged, I talk a little bit about RFK Jr. He is a very tough interview because he throws so much wrong stuff at you so furiously fast that it is really hard uh, to keep up. He's got conspiracy theories left and right. But um, it'll be an interesting interview because he's an interesting cat. Now, my my podcast is about this idea that he and Chris Christie are both running interesting campaigns, but for the wrong party. <laughs> RFK Jr. is now much more supported in Republican circles, and Christie's more supported in Democratic circles. But, but uh, Frank Morano, Monday, 1 a.m., is going to have um, RFK Jr. on and encourage you to check that out. That should be a very interesting interview. And the music today is about my week of doing things in the morning, doing things in the evening, and being here with you in the middle. Anyway, so we're talking a little bit about this decision that came down Basically telling the Biden administration that you and your agents, meaning the FBI, Health and Human Service, a whole list of different people, cannot contact social media companies at all. Now, the I get why liberals and progressives are freaked about this because they're like, oh, my God, it's going to be, the you know, cracking down on disinformation is going to be really hard to do. And there's a lot of reasons why government may want to call up a social media company, you know, to tell them about threats or about crimes that they're aware of or efforts by foreign countries to influence our elections or a whole bunch of other things. Like what if there's leaked documents that that might put our troops at risk or our country at risk? The government calls media outlets all the time about stuff like that. But this decision um, basically tells the Biden administration that from this judge's perspective, the federal government has stepped over the line and is starting to to chill other people's protected speech rights by leaning on these social media companies. And just to reiterate, you have no you, my dear listener, have no right to be on Twitter or to be on Facebook. You can they can take down your your posts for a good reason, a bad reason. But the allegation in this suit and this suit was not fully litigated. This was a preliminary injunction. You usually only get those. If the judge makes the determination that he's pretty sure that the plaintiffs are going to succeed in the case, meaning that he's going to order this anyway. Now, many reporters are saying it's a horrible ruling. We're trying to stop disinformation. But everyone is forgetting that the shoe could very easily be on the other foot. In fact, in 2000, I'm sorry, 2020, there was a president of the other party. The president is escalating another battle with Twitter after the company, for the first time, posted fact-check labels on a pair of the president's tweets about mail-in ballots. President Trump accusing Twitter of interfering in the 2020 presidential election and today threatening to strongly regulate or close them down. So that that's a news report about uh, about threats that Donald Trump was making against social media companies when he didn't like what they were doing. And many liberals at the time, many progressives at the time were like, this is outrageous. There's these social media companies hands off like they're doing what they think is right or whatever it is. The point I'm making is that left and right should both kind of agree that the federal government, you know, the scoundrels in the federal government trying to, to, to trying to censure people by silencing them on social media would be bad. And let's remember something else. You know, there has been a liberal outcry about ways that Ron DeSantis has tried to use his government to force companies to comply with his wishes. So you can see him becoming president trying to stifle, pick one of these companies, Disney or whomever. So I think this is a little bit, you know, we're forgetting sometimes that the shoe could easily be on the other foot. And, 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 and you know, I say that about the charges against Donald Trump. If it was some other president, they'd be charged too. But And then there's the, the, the decision that the judge makes – here are the places that they're not prohibited. The Biden administration is not prohibited, meaning they can contact the the social media companies as what they want. To inform them about criminal activity, they can still contact them about that. They can still contact about national security threats or extortion or threats posed on its platforms. They can still contact about 
criminal efforts to suppress voting or provide illegal campaign contributions or cyber attacks against election infrastructure or foreign attempts to influence elections. They can still contact them about that. This is I'm reading from the order now, the judge's order. They can still inform social media companies about threats to public safety. They can still um, they can still go on social go to social media and, and do speech permitted about government policy. Say, hey, you know, we, we want your platforms to promote this or that program that we think is amazing. They can still inform social media companies about postings that are intent to mislead voters about voting requirements. Anyone who goes on and says there's no vote on Tuesday this year, it's on a Wednesday this year, they can still you know, notify them about that. They can still notify social media companies about cyber activity that might affect the, the company. And they can still contact them about about speech that's not protected by the Constitution, like someone says something like if there are, you know, someone tries to dox a police officer by putting their home address. I mean, I actually don't know if that's legal or not, but I'm saying this this is a far-reaching decision, but I think a lot of my progressive friends are getting a little bit out over their skis. If we're going to err on one side, it's to limit government from doing too much to limit our ability to speak. Now, I happen to think it's kind of preposterous when people who are conservative say, oh, we don't have any, we're getting silenced. You're getting silenced. You Fox News, the biggest cable news, it's 77 WBC, a, a, a conservative uh, uh, station, is the biggest radio, uh, the biggest talk radio station in New York, maybe the country. This idea that like the left has no voice, and now uh, Musk, uh, um, a, a, a devoted conservative, controls Twitter. So this whole idea that. We are now in this place that, you know, conservatives are getting their voices squashed. I think it's wrong. But that doesn't change the fact that this is a classic case, and we like to focus on these in the middle, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is a classic case of try to visualize the shoe being on the other foot. I think there are a lot of progressives who in the Trump administration were very concerned about the overt way that the Trump administration was trying to punish social media companies for doing things that we thought were right. Left and right share, and I've always said this, we share one thing in common, a healthy skepticism of an overreaching government. That's something, that's a place that we can meet in the middle on. And when this judge, who's who's a Trump-appointed judge, I I think that this order is going to be overturned and they're going to let the trial happen now, the preliminary injunction is going to be overturned because it is kind of sweeping. But all that being said, there is something to the idea of limiting government's ability to silence us on social media. Now, I would recommend anyone with the sound of my voice, if you're going to not, if you don't want to be silenced on social media, don't say stuff that ain't true. Crazy conspiracy theories and and stories about COVID that aren't true and stories about the election that aren't true. Like, that's a good way if you don't want to be silenced. But all that being said, that's not for me to say. But if these if and if these social media companies want to have sanctions for lying and by the way, all the major social media companies have stopped taking down um, content that lies about COVID and stop taking that, uh, and, and stuff that lies about the election. They stopped taking that stuff down. So in a way, this is self-correcting, maybe. But I think that a lot of progressives should kind of see this as, you know, there before the grace of God go I. And we're going to go to another brief break, and then when we come back, we're going to do calls all the way to the top, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So grateful that you're along, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Asleep. 
think about the girl and never ever think of counting in the wee small hours, the dulcet tones of Frank Sinatra. We're doing music evocative of my week this week, including covering for Frank Morano. Frank um, is going to have RFK Jr. on on Monday at 1 a.m. encourage you to tune in. That hit, uh, his, his interviews are interesting, both Frank's and RFK Jr. They're an interesting pair. I look forward to hearing that. My podcast, The Middle Unplugged, also talks about RFK, but we didn't talk to him. So we're talking a little about social media, and I am reminded Every time that we talk about social media on the airwaves here, radio listeners want interaction. They want to talk back and forth. That's the concept of radio. And, in fact, social media is the opposite. It's like some interaction, but you're really just shouting into the ether. Um, and so when I did an episode you know, way back at the beginning about Elon Musk buying Twitter, it was the same way. A lot of people were like it was crickets when it came to uh, – when it came to the calls. So um, anyway, let's let's knock some uh, some calls off here. Some people want to call about my podcast about Chris Christie. Let's hear from Al and Yonkers. Go ahead, Al. Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, thank you, Congressman. You know, I just wanted to say in regards to Chris Christie, I think he miscalculated politically when he came out and he said that he was going to keep the FBI director, Ray, that he would probably keep him. And if you go to any Republican prime voters who are watching, uh, most of us don't like uh, the FBI director. So I think Chris Christie made a big mistake with that. His whole campaign comes down to New Hampshire. He can't afford to finish sixth or fifth like he did last time. And I just want to touch quickly on Bobby Kennedy. Uh, Bobby Kennedy is running uh, like a 20 percent Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, The reason I think he's running pretty strong is, as you know, the matriarch of the family, Senator Kennedy, with his famous speech in 1980 at the Democratic Convention. They've always been uh, done well with African-American voters. And I think that's a strength for the uh, for Bobby Kennedy as he moves forward. Yeah, but Al, that's not where his support is coming from. It's coming from Republicans. He's down to like six, five percent among Democrats. And it's the same. And Chris Christie's the same way. Thank you very much for calling. I think that was an excellent summary. I mean, look, the 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 situation is, and I talk about this on the Middle Unplugged episode thirty-seven. Chris Christie is running to slash and burn the most popular guy in, in Republican politics, a guy who, who you know Donald Trump has about a seventy-two, seventy-three percent favorability among Republicans, and he's just hitting them every single day. Now we Democrats are like, oh, this is amazing, but so so what is Chris Christie? Averaging in the polls, of all the polls, he averages 2.7%. This isn't a way to win. Now, RFK, he writes books. He's selling books. And so I get what he's doing. He's trying to sell books, and, and he's got a, another box set out, of $129 a box set of his, his conspiracy theory stuff. Um, so I understand what he's trying to do. What Chris Christie's trying to do is beyond me. Um, let's go to Mark in New Jersey. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us. Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L on Google. Right. Trump says, "Be careful what you say, even when." I don't. Why do we let this guy, this guy who plays this AI recording every time he calls in, and I keep falling for it? Um, next, let's go to Tom in Long Island. Hey, Tom, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm really curious about something that you said. Where you know you refer to um, social media and um, you know conspiracy theories. And, you know, that's still needing to be monitored relative to COVID and relative to false election news. Um, how much stuff that was deemed conspiracy theory has now turned out not to be? Hydroxychloroquine, uh, the, the disease or the, um, you know, the, the unvaccinated were the problem. And we're finding all that to not be true. Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 truth is that the conspiracy theory stuff was wrong. It continues to be wrong, and it's wrong today. And and, and the studies about, you know, drugs that people thought would work don't, and the science is out there. The the and frankly, you can go look at it. I mean, it's it's not up to me to to, to tell you, but what this case comes down to is that the judge in the case said you can still, if you're the government, you can still do stuff about election denial, about about anything about elections that is to protect the integrity of our elections. But if someone wants to come up with a story about 
you know, the election was stolen, even though 38, I think 38 court cases, not a single one of them was not laughed out of the courts. You can't do that. If someone wants to, I mean, I see the the value that people put on, on stopping disinformation. If someone reads something online that they believe is true and they go out and act on it, it can cause real harm. And I hope that Frank Morano asked some of these questions to RFK Jr., like the number of people, the, the number of people that died unnecessarily because these stories were out there. But what we're talking about is whose job is that? Is it the job of the individual consumer and the social media companies to make a decision? No social media company wants to have a cesspool of, of junk, right? No social media wants to have, you know, racism and lies and conspiracy theories where no one else, where, where people don't want to come and enjoy it. But that's on them. The government probably is not the best place to be leaning on people to, to take something on or take something off. I think that's something left and right can can probably um, can probably agree upon. Um, next, let's go to Helena in Westchester. Hey, Helena. Anthony, I just want to tell you, I think they should have you on uh, many more hours. I find you extremely interesting your opinions your intelligence very delightful your voice and i used to watch you on the news before you got on and when you used to get very uh, angry i said this guy's got balls and i really appreciated that i really wanted you to become you know uh one of our leaders. Um, well, I, I, I appreciate that, Helen. I, I do appreciate the kind words. You know, I have a a strong belief that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be right now, and and I ran for mayor because I thought I'd be a good mayor, but um, also the fact that I did hit my bottom meant that I got help and meant that I think I'm better off today and better able to be a good radio host, but more importantly, a good father to my son. Uh, next, let's go to Richard in Midland, Texas. Richard, thank you for joining us. Hi, this is... Uh Richard in uh, Permian Basin Oil and Gas Company. Oh, good. And uh, Motel 6 was able to uh, leave the lights on because of the Permian Basin and all the oil and gas and the fossil fuels we gave Motel 6 to keep those lights on and everyone else. But uh, on you remind me in the uh, two boxing-type movies. One was Marlon Brando. I could have been a contender. <laughs> and the other one was Rocky Graciano with Paul Newman. Somebody up there likes me. Oh, yeah. Great first. movies. Two great movies. And I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm a conservative, but I love hearing people who are liberal or other opinions. And uh, if they have to, we're going to have to put 26 hours in a day <laughs> to get you a two-hour show. And uh, we're going to have to figure this all out with the uh, scientists in the country. I'm serious about this. Well, you thank you. I, I, it's, it's, it's very kind of you. And thank you for calling in this week. I needed all the help I can get. And you, and you, you contributed some. Anything you want to get to today? Cluster bombs. Cluster bombs. This is the serious stuff. Yeah. It is serious. The uh, Biden administration in the beginning, uh, they were worried that Russia was using cluster bombs against Ukrainians. And I don't think it, the proof ever came in, but they claimed if they were, it was a war crime and uh, they better not be using it. And now and I am pro-Ukrainian what they're doing. So I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, now, with those cluster bombs, they're giving them cluster bombs to use in the Ukrainian-Russia conflict. What's your opinion on that? Because, you know, it is. They're saying one thing at one time, and now they're doing a complete reversal. And if I start really losing respect when people do that. Yeah. I mean, Richard, I, I appreciate, first of the kind words, and I appreciate the question. I know this is an unpopular thing to say when you are on, when you're on opinion radio, um, but I don't know. Um, on one hand, I get the idea that we have to give the Ukraine, I'm very strongly in, in favor of the idea of the Ukrainian people are fighting a proxy war on behalf of us, the United States of America, and everyone else who felt threatened by Russia. You know, this whole idea of, oh, my God, it's a proxy war, people using that as pejorative. You know, I've said this on these airways before. I think it's a good thing that these people are doing it for themselves, and we're providing the help we can in terms of getting the munitions. But the argument against cluster bombs is not so much how they are used on the battlefield. It's like how unex unexploded munitions, unexploded cluster bombs can – can terrorize, you know, a, a quarter-mile area of shrapnel and wounds and killing people, they're very dangerous. They're very dangerous in the context of, 
of any of even a war. But, you know, um, and I do take the president and his people at their word that they did ask around. They did consider this. They originally said no to this request. But what makes me particularly concerned is that I have been in the place. Um, I have sat in the map room in the White House and had administration officials lie to me about the Iraq war. I believe that if people want to be skeptical of what our government says, that that's perfectly that's an earned reputation that our government has, when especially when it comes to military engagements. Um, but I also know that there's signs that the Russians are committing war crimes, and that we've got to give the Ukrainians the tools they need to defend themselves. But as I said at the beginning, this is an open question, and I'm not 100 percent sure I have I have the right answer. Um, next, let's go to Dave and Tom's River. Hey, Dave, thanks for calling in. Hey, how you doing, Ant? Good. Ant, uh, I, um, I just want to thank you for uh, the so many good things that you did for this country. Uh, I first started listening to you back when you were uh, challenging Glenn Beck with his gold, and he was selling that gold, that fraud gold, and you you were debating him, letting him know, you know, this gold that he's selling to his people, they're buying, I, I, I guess they were buying it like three or four times the amount, and you were calling them out on it. And that's what really opened my eyes to who and what kind of person you were. And the way you would debate and fight people on the floor of Congress, I said, this guy, he's got, like that lady said, he's got balls, man. He doesn't, He don't take no crap from nobody. And that's, I think, Anthony, that's how you got to be. You got to, like, forget the past. I mean, everybody forgives Trump. You know what I mean? And he can do anything he wants. You know what I mean? And nobody, nobody cares. Well, I, I really do appreciate it, Davis. I see you to say those kind words about my my work in the past. But let me just say this to Dave and to the, the other young woman who called in. And, you know, I get I get kind of two different sets of input. You know, one is we want the old wiener back. We want the guy that yells and screams and, and you know, I'm sure Christian, if he had to pull it up, can find me and Peter King fighting on the floor and whatever. But on the other hand, I hear from people who um, who say to me, you know, that it's good to see that you've mellowed some. It's good to see that you've got some of those demons a little bit tamed in your life. It's a good to see that you're – a little bit more calm and able to, and maybe it's just with age or maybe it's come from having an 11 year old son, or maybe it just comes from all the stuff or maybe it comes from going to prison being, you know, I think to some degree, maybe in American life, if we had a Jeff little, speaks, if he gets up and yells, sorry, if he's going to intimidate people into <laughs> believing he's right, he is wrong. The gentleman is wrong. Maybe, maybe if we had a little bit less people yelling at the top of their lungs that the other guy is wrong, um, maybe we'd be better off. And I'll see you on the other side. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to the middle. That's Jimmy Eat World, the middle. 
see what I did there? After midnight, we small hours are now the middle, back to where we are. So imagine how lucky I am. Whom is listening to the show today? She's texting me. She wants to call in and rebut these people saying nice things about me. Don't let her through. You have, you hear someone, a soft-spoken, dignified South Asian woman calling in. Don't let her on the air to yell at me. Anyway, we're talking a little bit about social media. We're talking a little bit about the challenges of um, figuring out what disinformation is, and maybe the government should not be deciding that at all. And stick around at 3 o'clock. Curtis Lee was coming in. We have a couple of doozies to talk about this week. Mayor Adams, you might have heard this story because this one alluded notice. Mayor Adams talks about how a close friend of his in the police department was shot and killed on the line of duty, and he keeps a picture of him in his wallet everywhere he goes. He's been talking about this for a couple of years now. Well, apparently, after hearing him talk about this, I think I've got this story right. This is in the New York Times. His staff found a picture of this this officer, crumpled it up, got a coffee stain on it, and gave it back to the mayor so it would look like he's held it for a long time. It's just a crazy story. And then the other one is Bill de Blasio and his wife doing an interview about how they live together, but they're dating other people, and de Blasio knew he had trouble when he married a lesbian woman. I mean, it is whatever cringy things I've done. They're trying to catch up pretty quick. But let's get back to calls uh, um, until the top of the hour. First, let's go to Nancy in Rockaway, New Jersey. Hey, Nancy. Hello. Um, Did I hear you right with the previous caller saying that it's the government's responsibility to prevent people's reactions to things on the in the social media? No, no, I'm saying that I said the opposite. I, I said that that it's the if the these companies want to say, well, we don't want people lying on our platform, but it's not the job of government to be making that decision. That Do- people would react badly to stuff they saw on the Internet, and that's, that's on them, and there's so much weird stuff out there, I don't go on any of it. I don't blame you. For that re- but it's people's jobs to go out there and if they cared enough to find out the truth. But, Nancy, here, here's the problem, and that's, that's the ideal position, right? But there are, there are times when disinformation that's out there can harm people. Like if you have someone being told by RFK Jr., for example, a, a person whose name that people know, and thank you so much for calling, people know that there's a connection between vaccines and autism so they don't get their kids vaccinated, they can die. So there is a problem with it. And there is a problem with just giving everyone a microphone and saying, go out and yell whatever crazy thing that you want. The question becomes, what is the job? You know, is is the solution worse than the illness if you have the federal government in whatever politics they have? And I played that tape of Donald Trump threatening the social media companies to shut them down if they didn't do what he wanted. That's what authoritarianism is. And the Biden administration has now been found by this judge to be doing similar things. Now, I can say as a as a as a progressive or a left person, oh, I'm fine with Biden doing it. I just don't want Trump doing it. No, the, the answer should be always when you think about these issues, would you be would you accept it if the shoe was on the other foot? And I will I'm not crazy about this decision. I can see the reasons why it might be problematic, but I want to err on the side of keeping the federal government out of making these decisions and out of leaning on social media companies to silence our threat. I, listen, I trust my ability to find out the truth about things, to do some research, to come on the air and try to be as truthful as I can about stuff. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, you know, I, I can figure it out. You know, when people come on and say, oh, there was no one was armed at the, at the January 6th. I know that I can go and I can check that and find out that that's not true. You know, um, when people say, oh, the election was stolen, I know that I can go find the court cases where people made allegations. I can find I can find the, 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 the hearing doctrine. I can find the witness statements. I can find the judges that wrote what, what the evidence showed, and I can find that. The question becomes, should the federal government be calling up social media companies and trying to put their finger on the scale? And there are many cases where they should. I'll give you an example. What if there's a whole bunch of people online sharing information about how to make a dirty bomb and the FBI picks up on it? I hope they call up Twitter and say, make sure these people, you know, you're aware that this is going on so that they can take whatever action they can. I'm I'm, I'm hopefully do. If there's some kind of a 
um, a an effort by a foreign government to under, undermine our elections again, like they did in 2016. I hope that the FBI can call up the head of Twitter and say, listen, here's what we're aware of, and here's the evidence. But it can't be, oh, you know, the economy is really doing well. You should take down this guy who's, saying, who's, who's making up a wrong fact about inflation or something like that. The government is more powerful than any company. And just because the government, we are protected from the government in terms of speech, they can't tell us what we can and can't say. But if they start taking away our tools to have conversations, they're doing this. They're effectively doing the same thing. Now, I just want to caution you that this decision probably does get, in my view, probably gets overturned and the injunction is lifted. But this could go all the way to the Supreme Court. This is a this is an important 2023 kind of question about like, hey, is government restricting our speech when they when they call up Twitter and say, watch out, that guy Wiener lies a lot. And it does. I mean, well, it kind of does. Let me let me leave that. To, let me leave that to another episode. But I do want to say this. I, you know, I am always taken by the idea that, you know, these social media things, which media people we love talking about them. But radio audiences, you know, they're like we have another way to to deal with this stuff. We argue about it on the radio. We listen to radio hosts of different types, and we call in. We get some things off our chest. We listen to our fellow, our neighbors. So this might not be such a problem that we have on on radio, and maybe that's why when I do issue, do um, episodes about social media things, um, the board doesn't light up about that, it lights up about other things. Let me just conclude with a word of thanks. Again, thanking uh, John Margot Katsimatis for giving me a chance to fill in over this week, and Frank Morano and Sid for letting me sit in on the morning show. Remember, Monday morning at 1 a.m., if you're up and about, or even if you just get it by podcast, Frank Morano interviews Robert F. Kennedy on the other side of midnight. At 3 o'clock at the top of the hour, Curtis Lee will comes in. We have a lot of meaty stuff to talk about. This is the middle. That is left versus right. I hope you stick around for it. is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. 77 WABC News starts now. 77 WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.